Section 12 of The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Hawaii in May 2021. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 7 by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John Rudd section twelve beginning and progress of the renaissance fourteenth to sixteenth century by john addington simons part one the new birth or resurrection known as the renaissance is usually considered to have begun in italy in the fourteenth century though some writers would date its origin from the reign of frederick the second twelve fifteen to twelve fifty and by this prince the most enlightened man of his age it was at least anticipated well versed in languages and science he was a patron of scholars whom he gathered about him from all parts of the world at his court in palermo at all events the renaissance was heralded through the recovery by italian scholars of greek and roman classical literature when the movement began the civilization of greece and rome had long been exerting a partial influence not only upon italy but on other parts of medieval europe as well but in italy especially when the wave of barbarism had passed the people began to feel a returning consciousness of their ancient culture and a desire to reproduce it to italians the latin language was easy and their country abounded in documents and monumental records which symbolized past greatness the modern italian spirit was produced through the combination of various elements among which were the political institutions brought by the lombards from germany the influence of chivalry and other northern forms of civilization and the more immediate power of the church that which was foreshadowed in the thirteenth century became in the fourteenth a distinct national development which as simons its most discerning interpreter shows us was constructing a model for the whole western world the word renaissance has of late years received a more extended significance than that which is implied in our english equivalent the revival of learning we use it to denote the whole transition from the middle ages to the modern world and though it is possible to assign certain limits to the period during which this transition took place we cannot fix on any dates so positively as to say between this year and that the movement was accomplished to do so would be like trying to name the days on which spring in any particular season began and ended yet we speak of spring as different from winter and from summer the truth is that in many senses we are still in mid-renaissance the evolution has not been completed the new life is our own and is progressive as in the transformation scene of some pantomime so here the waning and the waxing shapes are mingled the new forms at first shadowy and filmy gain upon the old and now both blend and now the old scene fades into the background still who shall say whether the new scene be finally set up 
in like manner we cannot refer the whole phenomena of the renaissance to any one cause or circumstance or limit them within the field of any one department of human knowledge if we ask the students of art what they mean by the renaissance they will reply that it was the revolution effected in architecture painting and sculpture by the recovery of antique monuments students of literature philosophy and theology see in the renaissance that discovery of manuscripts that passion for antiquity that progress in philology and criticism which led to a correct knowledge of the classics to a fresh taste in poetry to new systems of thought to more accurate analysis and finally to the lutheran schism and the emancipation of the conscience men of science will discourse about the discovery of the solar system by copernicus and galileo the anatomy of vesalius and harvey's theory of the circulation of the blood the origination of a truly scientific method is the point which interests them most in the renaissance the political historian again has his own answer to the question the extinction of feudalism the development of the great nationalities of europe the growth of monarchy the limitation of the ecclesiastical authority and the erection of the papacy into an italian kingdom and in the last place the gradual emergence of that sense of popular freedom which exploded in the revolution these are the aspects of the movement which engross his attention jurists will describe the dissolution of legal fictions based upon the false decretals the acquisition of a true text of the roman code and the attempt to introduce a rational method into the theory of modern jurisprudence as well as to commence the study of international law men whose attention has been turned to the history of discoveries and inventions will relate the exploration of america and the east or will point to the benefits conferred upon the world by the arts of printing and engraving by the compass and the telescope by paper and by gunpowder and will insist that at the moment of the renaissance all the instruments of mechanical utility started into existence to aid the dissolution of what was rotten and must perish to strengthen and perpetuate the new and useful and life-giving yet neither any one of these answers taken separately nor indeed all of them together will offer a solution of the problem by the term renaissance or new birth is indicated a natural movement not to be explained by this or that characteristic but to be accepted as an effort of humanity for which at length the time had come and in the onward progress of which we still participate the history of the renaissance is not the history of arts or of sciences or of literature or even of nations it is the history of the attainment of self-conscious freedom by the human spirit manifested in the european races it is no mere political mutation no new fashion of art no restoration of classical standards of taste the arts and the inventions the knowledge and the books which suddenly became vital at the time of the renaissance had long lain neglected on the shores of the dead sea which we call the middle ages it was not their discovery which caused the renaissance 
but it was the intellectual energy the spontaneous outburst of intelligence which enabled mankind at that moment to make use of them the force then generated still continues vital and expansive in the spirit of the modern world how was it then that at a certain period about fourteen centuries after christ to speak roughly humanity awoke as it were from slumber and began to live this is a question which we can but imperfectly answer the mystery of organic life defeats analysis whether the subject of our inquiry be a germ cell or a phenomenon so complex as the commencement of a new religion or the origination of a new disease or a new phase in civilization it is alike impossible to do more than to state the conditions under which the fresh growth begins and to point out what are its manifestations in doing so moreover we must be careful not to be carried away by words of our own making renaissance reformation and revolution are not separate things capable of being isolated they are moments in the history of the human race which we find it convenient to name while history itself is one and continuous so that our utmost endeavours to regard some portion of it independently of the rest will be defeated a glance at the history of the preceding centuries shows that after the dissolution of the fabric of the roman empire there was no possibility of any intellectual revival the barbarous races which had deluged europe had to absorb their barbarism the fragments of roman civilization had either to be destroyed or assimilated the germanic nations had to receive culture and religion from the effete people they had superseded it was further necessary that the modern nationalities should be defined that the modern languages should be formed that peace should be secured to some extent and wealth accumulated before the indispensable milieu for a resurrection of the free spirit of humanity could exist the first nation which fulfilled these conditions was the first to inaugurate the new era the reason why italy took the lead in the renaissance was that italy possessed a language a favorable climate political freedom and commercial prosperity at a time when other nations were still semi-barbarous where the human spirit had been buried in the decay of the roman empire there it arose upon the ruins of that empire and the papacy called by hobbes the ghost of the dead roman empire seated throned and crowned upon the ashes thereof to some extent bridged over the gulf between the two periods keeping steadily in sight the truth that the real quality of the renaissance was intellectual that it was the emancipation of the reason for the modern world we may inquire how feudalism was related to it the mental condition of the middle ages was one of ignorant prostration before the idols of the church dogma and authority and scholasticism again the nations of europe during these centuries were bound down by the brute weight of material necessities without the power over the outer world which the physical sciences and useful arts communicate without the ease of life which wealth and plenty secure 
without the traditions of a civilized past emerging slowly from a state of utter rawness each nation could barely do more than gain and keep a difficult hold upon existence to depreciate the work achieved for humanity during the middle ages would be ridiculous yet we may point out that it was done unconsciously that it was a gradual and instinctive process of becoming the reason in a word was not awake the mind of man was ignorant of its own treasures and its own capacities it is pathetic to think of the medieval students poring over a single ill-translated sentence of porphyry endeavouring to extract from its clauses whole systems of logical science and torturing their brains about puzzles more idle than the dilemma of buridan's donkey while all the time at constantinople and at seville in greek and arabic plato and aristotle were alive but sleeping awaiting only the call of the renaissance to bid them speak with voice intelligible to the modern mind it is no less pathetic to watch tide after tide of the ocean of humanity sweeping from all parts of europe to break in passionate but unavailing foam upon the shores of palestine whole nations laying life down for the chance of seeing the walls of jerusalem worshipping the sepulchre whence christ had risen loading their fleet with relics and with cargoes of the sacred earth while all the time within their breasts and brains the spirit of the lord was with them living but unrecognized the spirit of freedom which ere long was destined to restore its birthright to the world meanwhile the middle age accomplished its own work slowly and obscurely amid stupidity and ignorance were being forged the nations and the languages of europe italy france spain england germany took shape the actors of the future drama acquired their several characters and formed the tongues whereby their personalities should be expressed the qualities which render modern society different from that of the ancient world were being impressed upon these nations by christianity by the church by chivalry by feudal customs then came a further phase after the nations had been moulded their monarchies and dynasties were established feudalism passed by slow degrees into various forms of more or less defined autocracy in italy and germany numerous principalities sprang into pre-eminence and though the nation was not united under one head the monarchical principle was acknowledged france and spain submitted to a despotism by right of which the king could say moi." england developed her complicated constitution of popular right and royal prerogative at the same time the latin church underwent a similar process of transformation the papacy became more autocratic like the king the pope began to say l'eglise c'est moi this merging of the medieval state and medieval church in the personal supremacy of king and pope may be termed the special feature of the last age of feudalism which preceded the renaissance it was thus that the necessary milieu was prepared the organization of the five great nations 
and the leveling of political and spiritual interests under political and spiritual despots formed the prelude of that drama of liberty of which the renaissance was the first act the reformation the second the revolution the third and which we nations of the present are still evolving in the establishment of the democratic idea meanwhile it must not be imagined that the renaissance burst suddenly upon the world in the fifteenth century without premonitory symptoms far from that within the middle age itself over and over again the reason strove to break loose from its fetters abelard in the twelfth century tried to prove that the interminable dispute about entities and words was founded on a misapprehension roger bacon at the beginning of the thirteenth century anticipated modern science and proclaimed that man by use of nature can do all things joachim of flora intermediate between the two drank one drop of the cup of prophecy offered to his lips and cried that the gospel of the father was past the gospel of the son was passing the gospel of the spirit was to be these three men each in his own way the frenchman as a logician the englishman as an analyst the italian as a mystic divined the future but inevitable emancipation of the reason of mankind nor were there wanting signs especially in provence that aphrodite and phoebus and the graces were ready to resume their sway we have moreover to remember the cathari the paterini the franticelli the albigenses the hussites heretics in whom the new light dimly shone but who were instantly exterminated by the church we have to commemorate the vast conception of the emperor frederick the second who strove to found a new society of humane culture in the south of europe and to anticipate the advent of the spirit of modern tolerance he too and all his race were exterminated by the papal jealousy truly we may say with michelet that the sibyl of the renaissance kept offering her books in vain to feudal europe in vain because the time was not yet the ideas projected thus early on the modern world were immature and abortive like those headless trunks and zoophytic members of half-moulded humanity which in the vision of empedocles preceded the birth of full-formed men the nations were not ready franciscans imprisoning roger bacon for venturing to examine what god had meant to keep secret dominicans preaching crusades against the cultivated nobles of provence popes stamping out the seed of enlightened frederick benedictines erasing the masterpieces of classical literature to make way for their own litanies and luries or selling pieces of the parchment for charms a lady devoted by superstition to saints and by sorcery to the devil a clergy sunk in sensual sloth or fevered with demoniac zeal these still ruled the intellectual destinies of europe therefore the first anticipations of the renaissance were fragmentary and sterile then came a second period dante's poem a work of conscious art 
conceived in a modern spirit and written in a modern tongue was the first true sign that italy the leader of the nations of the west had shaken off her sleep petrarch followed his ideal of antique culture as the everlasting solace and the universal education of the human race his lifelong effort to recover the classical harmony of thought and speech gave a direct impulse to one of the chief movements of the renaissance its passionate outgoing toward the ancient world after petrarch boccaccio opened yet another channel for the stream of freedom his conception of human existence as a joy to be accepted with thanksgiving not as a gloomy error to be rectified by suffering familiarized the fourteenth century with that form of semi-pagan gladness that marked the real renaissance in dante petrarch and boccaccio italy recovered the consciousness of intellectual liberty what we call the renaissance had not yet arrived but their achievement rendered its appearance in due season certain with dante the genius of the modern world dared to stand alone and to create confidently after its own fashion with petrarch the same genius reached forth across the gulf of darkness resuming the tradition of a splendid past with boccaccio the same genius proclaimed the beauty of the world the goodliness of youth and strength and love and life unterrified by hell unappalled by the shadow of impending death it was now at the beginning of the fourteenth century when italy had lost indeed the heroic spirit which we admire in her communes of the thirteenth but had gained instead ease wealth magnificence and that repose which springs from long prosperity that the new age at last began europe was as it were a fallow field beneath which lay buried the civilization of the old world behind stretched the centuries of medievalism intellectually barren and inert of the future there were as yet but faint foreshadowings meanwhile the force of the nations who were destined to achieve the coming transformation was unexhausted their physical and mental faculties were unimpaired no ages of enervating luxury of intellectual endeavour of life artificially preserved or ingeniously prolonged had sapped the fibre of the men who were about to inaugurate the modern world severely nurtured unused to delicate living these giants of the renaissance were like boys in their capacity for endurance their inordinate appetite for enjoyment no generations hungry sickly effete critical disillusioned trod them down ennui and the fatigue that springs from scepticism the despair of thwarted effort were unknown their fresh and unperverted senses rendered them keenly alive to what was beautiful and natural they yearned for magnificence and instinctively comprehended splendour at the same time the period of satiety was still far off everything seemed possible to their young energy nor had a single pleasure palled upon their appetite born as it were at the moment when desires and faculties are evenly balanced 
when the perceptions are not blunted nor the senses cloyed opening their eyes for the first time on a world of wonder these men of the renaissance enjoyed what we may term the first transcendent springtide of the modern world nothing is more remarkable than the fullness of the life that throbbed in them natures rich in all capacities and endowed with every kind of sensibility were frequent nor was there any limit to the play of personality in action we may apply to them what browning has written of sordello's temperament a football there suffices to upturn to the warm air half germinating spices mere decay produces richer life and day by day new pollen on the lily petal grows and still more labyrinthine buds the rose during the middle ages man had lived enveloped in a cowl he had not seen the beauty of the world or had seen it only to cross himself and turn aside and tell his beads and pray like saint bernard travelling along the shores of lake leman and noticing neither the azure of the waters nor the luxuriance of the vines nor the radiance of the mountains with their robe of sun and snow but bending a thought-burdened forehead over the neck over his mule even like this monk humanity had passed a careful pilgrim intent on the terrors of sin death and judgment along the highways of the world and had not known that they were sight-worthy or that life is a blessing beauty is a snare pleasure a sin the world a fleeting show man fallen and lost death the only certainty judgment inevitable hell everlasting heaven hard to win ignorance is acceptable to god as a proof of faith and submission abstinence and mortification are the only safe rules of life these were the fixed ideas of the ascetic medieval church the renaissance shattered and destroyed them rending the thick veil which they had drawn between the mind of man and the outer world and flashing the light of reality upon the darkened places of his own nature for the mystic teaching of the church was substituted culture in the classical humanities a new ideal was established whereby man strove to make himself the monarch of the globe on which it is his privilege as well as destiny to live the renaissance was the liberation of humanity from a dungeon the double discovery of the outer and the inner world an external event determined the direction which this outburst of the spirit of freedom should take this was the contact of the modern with the ancient mind which followed upon what is called the revival of learning the fall of the greek empire in fourteen fifty three while it signalized the extinction of the old order gave an impulse to the now accumulated forces of the new a belief in the identity of the human spirit under all manifestations was generated men found that in classical as well as biblical antiquity existed an ideal of human life both moral and intellectual by which they might profit in the present the modern genius felt confidence in its own energies when it learned what the ancients had achieved the guesses of the ancients stimulated the exertions of the moderns 
the whole world's history seemed once more to be one. End of section 12